0: Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our latest Housing Matters Podcast. This is our second episode for 2017. Again, uh, it's Oscar way here along with Jordan hey everyone so again happy new year uh, so far it's uh, not a bad year um, of course we want to talk lo- a lot about uh, a lot of uh, about a lot of things but let's start off with uh, the latest release that we have just to give people an idea of what's going on in 2016 and maybe give an idea of what we can expect in 2017.
1: Yeah, definitely. We just closed out December, which means we have a full year's worth of housing market activity. Um, and 2016 actually uh, eked out a modest gain. Sales in December were actually down a little bit from where they were uh, in November and also from where they were at the same point last year, mm-hmm. um, which is you know not very good news on, on the surface. But I think if you kind of scratch below that, what you see is that both last December was very... Uh, inflated or elevated because of TRID, right? Uh-huh. we had those new disclosure rules come into effect in the winter and October, November timeframe. And that delayed a lot of the sales that probably should have closed in October, late October um, and into November into December. So when you look at that growth rate, it's a little bit misleading in the sense that, yes, we are down from December of last year, but that was a, a abnormally high number. And so um, the fact that we actually held on fairly closely. I think we were down less than a percent from where we were last November, or December. Um, that is actually a, a good thing. That means that we maintained a relatively high uh, amount of sales and the same thing goes for November as well. We saw a lot of folks kind of rush in, try and get into the market before rates started going up and the Fed raised rates and that really pushed up that November sales number that we released about a month ago. Uh-huh. And so again when you do that comparison it looks like things are down Um, but actually i think the moral of the story is that um, december still put up a pretty good number and in fact that last quarter of the year really seemed to save the day in terms Uh of pushing california into the black right i think we were up 1.7 percent for the year in terms of closed sales so uh, despite all these challenges and things that we had we uh, eked out a pretty modest gain in terms of home sales uh, which is a good
0: thing definitely and i think back in Many of you might have attended uh Leslie's expo forecast and right. back in uh expo forecast. We only had data through maybe through September. Mm-hmm. And through September, I think the forecast was a slight down compared to last year 2015. I think if I remember correctly it was a 0.4% down from last year. But you're absolutely right, it saved the day. Now now, let's not talk about what costs, you know, the the save of the day yet. Yeah. But in the last quarter, the, the last three months, I think we jumped at in October eight percent, and then as you said, November it jumped pretty significantly, double digit increase on a year over year basis. Yes, December was not as strong, but it was because both November and uh, December of last year was unseasonally uh, uh, strong last year, um, and. One thing to point out also, I think we mentioned, might have mentioned in the uh, press release also, hmm. is that uh, at the end of last year, uh, TRID might have a more significant impact on the more high-end home right. because non-conventional loans typically have a, uh, a negatively impacted more so by TRID. so. Last year, when you look at uh, the Bay Area, for example, it seems pretty strong, and it looks like wow, we dropped a lot in December this year. Right. But it's mainly because of uh, what happened last year.
1: Yeah, those really expensive areas had the the biggest bump in response to the TRID thing, and so those are the areas that we're seeing with the
0: biggest pullback last month, I guess. True, and then that's why you you're right. You know, we are seeing a one point seven percent increase. Uh, compared to last year in terms of sales. Not bad. Not Not a bad bad thing, especially when you consider all the challenges. Exactly. And I want to give you credit, too. I don't know whether people remember or not. We did an analysis on presidential election. Um, what usually happens in the last quarter or maybe the last couple months after presidential election. Do you remember what your result was?
1: Yeah, it seems like there was a post-election bump. I mean, I'm not one to uh, <laughs> to pat myself on the back, but far be it for me to I'll prevent, prevent you from patting me on the back. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it seems like that was like one of the only consistent patterns that you could ferret out. I went back and looked and see, you know, leading up to an election, do we see a pullback in sales? Do we see less price growth? Because people are more um, skittish or skeptical and, and there wasn't really any kind of clear pattern. The only thing that I could really tell um, was that it did seem fairly consistent of going back over the course of the last five election cycles um, that the last couple of months of an election year tend to be abnormally strong and it looks like that's uh, that's what we enjoyed here at the end of
0: this year Very true And one more thing to um, reiterate you know the strong quarter of this year uh, of uh, the fourth quarter, um, which is consistent with your analysis on presidential election is that this is the strong quarter the fourth quarter of 2016 was actually the strongest since 2012. what wow. happened in 2012 fourth quarter Boom. that's also in a, a presidential election right yeah so yes the analysis seems to be holding out right until the next election
1: Gotcha. Well, that's good to know. And, uh, you know, I feel good that that seems to, um, you know, not just be kind of a statistical anomaly, but it really does seem like California got a nice little bump that really um, carried us over the finish line. So sales were up. The problem is, you know, there's, um, you know, all this demand and, you know, of course, supply has been an ongoing problem. We saw that prices, I guess, continued to grow as a result of that. Right.
0: Right. While the supply, let's talk about supply first before we talk about price. Supply is definitely an issue. Um, and we have talked about it many, many times, and it looks like it will continue to be an issue in the upcoming year. Um, just give me some numbers. The, the latest uh, months of supply in December is what? 2.6 months. So it's below three months. And I think in the last few months or so, we have been above three. The last time we were above or uh, below three was maybe about seven or eight months ago or maybe longer than that. Yeah. Um, I can take a quick look at it, but I think, yeah, I think
1: May 2013 was the last time we did below
0: three. And then last time we were below 2.6, because 2.6 is really low. Last time we were below 2.6 was, I think, way back in, um, I don't have the number here, but it might be way back a couple years or yeah, so. Definitely. So it's definitely at a, a low point. And uh, it's not just because of uh, strong sales. I think you mentioned in the press release that we had some drop in uh, listing as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the problem is, you know, we did have a pretty strong final quarter in terms of growth in the number of sales, more homes sold during those last three months than we saw last year, um, which is somewhat miraculous when you consider the environment. Um, You know, listings were down 8.5% in December alone. So the fact that we were able to grow sales at all, Um, when there's just eight and a half percent fewer homes on the market than there were a year ago, um, I think really speaks to that excess demand, you know, issue that people want to buy homes, um, but there's just no homes available for folks to buy. And that's why I think this really strong quarter that we had is, you know, it's great and it's great for our members um, and for the market and getting folks into home ownership and things like that. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a real challenge uh, going forward is just, you know, The listings haven't come back so where do the sales come from
0: right and of course with the shortage in supply we have some increase in in, uh, price also and that's not bowling very well with affordability Yeah, I mean we
1: already have affordability issues that we've had for a long time and now we're pushing prices you know higher with all these inventory problems and it's just you know yeah it's a real concern
0: right and I know I know price didn't really go up significantly by double digit or so but it did go up in December um, if I remember correctly, it went up by three point nine percent in December.
1: Yeah, and that's about five hundred nine thousand or so is where it closed out the year in December. Um, you know, so I think it's nine months in a row that we've stayed above five hundred thousand dollars in terms of price. Um, you know, I think it's the first time we've actually ended the year above five five hundred thousand too um, for for a number of years, which is you know again incomes have risen modestly but they haven't risen to the same extent that home prices have which means that affordability has you know only gotten worse and continue to do so right through the end of last year
0: right and you said it right you know it went back all the way to 2007 2008 when uh, you know home prices were over uh, the statewide median price was over 500,000 yeah and if you look at the service on the service uh, it looks like Last year, the year before, we were above the annual median price, um, annual price appreciation. Just to give you an idea, the preliminary statewide median price for the state is $502,000 mm-hmm. plus some change. And that's a 5.4% increase compared to 2015. But And that's the lowest for the last, uh, since 2011. But So if you look at 5.4%, it doesn't look like a lot, but keep in mind what wage and income level hasn't been growing up as fast as yeah we're not seeing
1: five and a half percent wage growth that's for sure and so again that just means that the affordability crunch is going to get um you know that much worse and and it's you know wasn't particularly good to to begin with and so um you know i think that's going to be an ongoing challenge some of the same things that we talked about all throughout this year are you know don't look like they're showing any signs of Um,
0: self-correcting at this point very true now let's shift gear uh, gear a little bit now that you know we have uh, 2016 and a wrap in the books that's done let's take a look at what's going to happen in 2017 now the i think the easiest there are a lot of things that we want to talk about let's look at the easiest. Well, I shouldn't say easy. It's the things that we observe it on a daily basis first, mortgage rates.
1: Yeah, there uh, are
0: One of the reasons why we have you know, people sort of rushing into the market try to uh, buy the home before the end of the year, you could say it might have something to do with uh, their anticipation of high interest rates in the upcoming year. No doubt. So what's going on with interest rate right now?
1: Yeah, well, rates have already bounced back uh, pretty remarkably in the wake of the election. Um, we were hovering in the, about the three and a half percent range for the better part of the summer and fall, um, but following the election, they shot up to 40, you know, 4.2 percent or so. They've come back down modestly over the course of the last couple of weeks, but we're still about 50, 60 basis points higher um, than where we were, you know, earlier this year, which is um, significant. Very from true. a you know context of being at three and a half percent you go up 60 basis points that's a pretty big um, increase even though rates themselves are at a fairly low level by historical standards even at four percent but I think you know there's both the anticipation of more growth because of the new administration and you know tax reform and stimulus potentially coming down the pike um, and with that comes I think fears of inflation exactly and I think we've already started to see inflation stabilize a bit recently
0: true and you I want to reiterate you said at the earlier um, even though we only have two weeks you know for 2017 we have seen rates coming down from 4.2 to I think the latest number is 4.09 yeah um, from uh, Freddie Mac that's right but when you look at, I, I read the uh, mortgage news daily yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, the 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 four point oh nine, the decline, has something to do with the fact that the uh, Freddie Mac methodology only covers maybe through uh, Monday or, or Tuesday. Gotcha. And Wednesday and Thursday, we seem to uh, see a, a slight increase in, in rates. Uh, rates. So, yeah. so hold on tight. Next weekly. Uh, uh, survey from Freddie Mac may see a jump, but uh, you know nothing to panic about. You know, of course, we're still in a transition right now. There are a lot of uncertainties, um, and we need to hold on and just uh, just hang on. Yeah, no. I don't
1: think this is the beginning of a trend where rates are going to start trending back down for some reason. I think you know the markets potentially overreacted modestly from the very get-go and tried to price in you know all of the potential increases. Um, but you know, I don't think that we're going to see rates slide back down to three and a half percent either. So, oh no, I don't think you know, so. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see a rapid increase or a rapid decrease. Really, um, you know, I think the the days of three and a half percent mortgages, unfortunately, are probably behind us.
0: I think so too. And and you said it earlier about inflation. Inflation is the reason why the Federal Reserve is expecting to raise rates. And this year, we expect rates to be raised maybe about two to three times that's what's on the slate so right and of course it depends on a lot of things but let's say if we do have inflation it's safe to say that if we go it's not a surprise to see rates going up back up to let's say four point seven five four point eight whatever it is Um, and our our uh, forecast right now um, is right around 4.4 4.5 for the year as a whole
1: for the year as a whole so which means that we're going to be pushing five percent probably by the time we get to december
0: possibly possibly depending on whether we have you know some of the fiscal stimulus well you know there's a (laughs) lot of
1: wild cards out there To watch out for, and I think you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head that there's all kinds of stuff that could affect interest rates. That um, you know, we just don't have a lot of clarity into what you know what the path forward looks like with some of these. So, what are the things um, that could potentially come down the pike and and impact rates or push them higher? Potentially,
0: definitely. Well, okay, inflation we saw, we talked about inflation, those are the fundamental economic, fundamental stuff, but some of the things directly related to the uh, real estate finance. You know, let's talk about you know privatization of GSEs. There are a lot of uncertainties. Uh, this week we had some the hearing of the uh, nominee. Yeah, for, Mnuchin
1: had his right, hearing,
0: right? Right, and I mean earlier uh, uh, last year in November, he mentioned he made a couple statements with Fox News, I think, and he mentioned uh, that there is a possibility of the privatization of GSEs. Right, and of course after that here after that uh, statement. The Fenny and Freddie's stock went up significantly. Thinking, wow, wow, we're gonna get you know privatized. Yeah. But privatization of GSEs is not necessarily a good thing for mortgage rates. That's right. Because that means the government may not necessarily be guaranteeing you know the enterprises. That's right. Um, so there will be an additional risk. And a study done by Moody's suggests that you know if we were to privatize GSE, there is a possibility that the rates could go up. On an average, by maybe about 70 basis points. 70 basis points. That's wow. a lot. Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Especially from a perspective of thinking that we're already probably naturally going to get up close to 5% by the end of the year. Right. You know, 70 basis points starts looking a lot more like six percent than five percent Um so yeah that's uh I know. that's uh, a risk i would say or something that we're definitely going to want to keep a really close eye on but i guess he started back that down a little exactly. bit in his hearing um this week right where he said exactly. maybe he doesn't want to recap and release fan exactly
0: maybe it's not maybe well hold on let's take a look at you know everything else first we definitely don't want to uh the the taxpayers you know, to, hold, to, to take care of uh, GSE, but at the same time, we want to have a little bit more leeway for the GSE. So I think it's definitely going to be a discussion, and the discussion will definitely involve Dot Frank as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean those, you know, mortgage regulations, I think that's something that has been, you know, kind of swung maybe too far in the opposite direction in terms of being a little bit too stringent. I was just reading the LE May report this morning um, and, you know, mortgage credit is becoming easier to get, um, but it's all relative, right? Cuz I think they said that the average FICO score for a closed escrow uh, loan in December was 726. Wow which is down from 728, but 726 is still a really, really high bar (laughs) um, for many consumers to cross in terms of having fairly impeccable credit. And so, yes, things are improving, but they're still, you know, really hard. And I think Dodd-Frank is a big piece of that. And if we saw some of that regulation pulled back, obviously you don't want to go back to the kind of wild west times that we had in 05 06 time frame to lose credits yes you know and put the housing market at risk or anything like that but um i think there's a way to get more loans to more people without kind of jeopardizing or you know risking the integrity of the housing market itself and so um, that's another one that i guess is still a question mark right very questionable we don't know what's what extent or how much Dodd frank is going to be um, clawed back, and and so it's hard to know what that's going to translate into in terms of demand for housing and mortgage.
0: Very true, and I personally think uh, Don Frank is a big uh, big um, discussion, and I don't think this is something that could be uh, uh, figured out in the upcoming year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ram it through quickly, if anything, even if you do you know, make reforms to it, I guess it's something that's going to have to be negotiated
0: with congress and stuff over time definitely and then let's let's touch upon another issue so dot frank we can we can hold on and we can talk more about it yeah know, uh, throughout the year but uh, let's talk about mortgage interest deduction it has something to do with tax reform um, that I think you looked into it a little bit more?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, the mortgage de- interest deduction is one of the kind of bedrock policies I think that we have that, um, you know, the government is really kind of putting their weight behind wanting you to become a homeowner, right? Uh-huh. And so they give you this mortgage interest deduction, um, which really kind of offsets some of the cost of home ownership and helps to boost affordability for becoming a homeowner. True. Um you know, And with the tax reform, there's no kind of explicit talk about officially um, axing the mortgage interest deduction, but um, with the tax reform packages, I think they're talking about da- doubling the standard deduction that anybody can claim for themselves, and that really um, undermines the value or the potential benefit of the mortgage interest deduction, um, just in the sense that you're going to need to be carrying a pretty significant load of principal balance In order to um, make the mortgage interest deduction make sense, once you have so much um, of a standard deduction, right? I think they're talking about doubling the standard deduction to twenty-five or twenty-six thousand dollars, which means that you got to have about six hundred fifty or seven hundred thousand dollars worth of outstanding mortgage balance for that to make more sense for you to go ahead and itemize your taxes rather than just use that twenty-five, twenty-six grand in standard deduction. And you know, that's gonna obviously undermine some of the incentive to become a homeowner. And I think that, you know, while it's great that we put more money in everyone's pocketbooks. Um, The thing that I really worry about and one of the real benefits of becoming a homeowner Uh is that accumulation of wealth. And so, you know, over the short run, yes, we'll put some more money in folks' pockets, but we take away that incentive to become a homeowner, then you don't get those long-term benefits of, you know, getting folks into that kind of forced savings ritual by socking money away into their mortgage and paying down their principal balances. And so, you know, you just don't have that kind of improvement in overall quality of life. And then all the social benefits, I think, that go along with being homeowners in terms of being engaged with your community and, you know, being invested there and getting involved and things like that. I think that the research is fairly clear that when you own property that, you know, you're much more engaged civically and socially. And so, you know, that's the thing that I worry about is, yes, that we're going to put more money in people's pockets over the short run, but then... You know, do we disincentivize people from becoming homeowners, and therefore, you know, undermine their ability to accumulate wealth and pass that on to future generations? And that's um, a big concern and a- another big question mark, right? Because right. we don't know what's going to happen on the tax reform front either.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think even at the hearing at the. Uh for the for uh, Steve Mnuchin's um, hearing, he did talk a little bit about tax reform. He did say we need to, they need to spend a little bit more time um, figuring it out. Figuring it out. So yeah. I mean, it's a big question mark. So of course, it's all the talk that we are having, all the discussion that we're having. It's based on what we saw, what we heard earlier. Um, there will be more news coming out. Now, another thing that I mentioned uh, that that we ha- haven't had a chance to talk about is um, that might have that might inter- affect. Interest rate is the what happened in the global market. Now last year because of Brexit, yeah, interest rate dropped. People went to you know went into the bond market. Um, and a lot of fear. Bond, bond of fear. prices go up. <laughs> bond prices go up, and then of course interest rate came came down. Yeah, but at the same time, um, that fear kind of went away a, a bit. But next year or this year we have another election we have an ele- election in France. Right. Um, and some of you may have heard of the uh, term, FRAXIT. Right. And because of the presidential election in France, there's a possibility, depending on who is going to be the president, I think one of the front frontrunner, uh, Marine Le Pen, is a, used to be, I would say used to be a, a proponent for um, uh, exiting the Euro uh, European Union, uh-huh. uh, but I think she turned her uh, opinion. She's a switcher. her mind a little a bit, little bit uh, yeah. lately. So, if we have a presidential election in France and it turns out that you know the the elected president is a person uh, opting to exit, yeah, you know, EU. Then we may have another global economic volatility in the stock market as well as the bond market. That's right, and of course you can say you know that could be an upside for the interest rates, but may not necessarily a good upside because that affects you know a lot of other stuff other than interest rates.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we're relying on chaos abroad to keep rates down, I think that's you know not a good long-term strategy for growth. Um, but it's something definitely to keep an eye out for, right? Because there's a lot of those same kind of populists. Um, undertones in some of these European elections and you know now that kind of brexit happen and you know opens that option right. up as a possibility maybe for for more folks that that's something to definitely keep an eye on
0: right well before we uh, move on to another topic um, the uh, while, while we are at global economic um, discussion uh, another thing that we should be sort of concerned about of course is the tariff uh, yeah. that we might possibly, be uh, implementing on our partner countries like Mexico and China. Yeah, um, that's one of the big discussion that uh, our president, our president-elect, our new president, uh, our new He's president. Yes, in. we're recording this here right. on
1: inauguration day, so he is the president as of uh, as of now.
0: Right. So you know, it's there's a there's still a possibility. Of course, I think the possibility of implementing a tariff is. Probably less likely than let's say three, four months ago when, you know, at the heated debate right. about global economic but if that is the case if we do have some uh, disagreement in terms of the uh, trade negotiation with our partners there's a possibility that interest rate could go up because inflation could go up on export and import
1: yeah that's right yeah so you know trade is definitely something that we're gonna have to watch very closely and again one of those ones where there's minimal kind of visibility into what that's actually
0: going to play out like true and and uh, just to kind of tie it in um, of course, global economic economy uh, uncertainties would affect foreign buyers. Oh no doubt. Uh, yeah, we, we have about what um, in, a, in a few couple of years ago, eight percent of our sales represent international buyers or foreign buyers, but it has dropped.
1: Yeah, I think it's down to like three percent or a little bit below three percent as of 2016, which is, you know, both because the dollars. Fairly strong At this particular point in time China's also been cracking down On capital outflows Um To the California market And we know China's a huge part Of the international buyer pool Um I think over half of all International buyers here in California Um Right. And so I think that, you know, all of those things are going to play into it. And also, prices have risen fairly, you know, high, especially in some of those really popular uh, markets for overseas buyers. And I think that might discourage some folks as well. And so, um, you know, but then again, I think it always cuts both ways when we think about international buyers, right? Because as expensive as the dollar becomes or as high as prices rise here in California, if they've got domestic you know, economic issues that they're worried about where China's not gonna grow as fast or something like that, um, the U.S. still ends up looking fairly attractive from an investment standpoint. Right. And so it's not clear that, you know, even some of those issues would derail um, all of the international buyers, but we've definitely seen them pump the brakes a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we, we continue to have international buyers coming in, but you, you, you hit the nail in the head. Um, many of the areas uh, where, let's say, Chinese buyers purchase their properties, has increased in terms of uh, home prices. Bay Area, for yeah, example, we, yeah. we have a lot of Chinese in the Bay Area, in um, the San Gabriel Valley. We have seen some increase in the San Gabriel Valley in Southern California. So we definitely need to uh, keep an eye on that, um, on interest rates and on, on exchange rates and a lot of things. Um, before we wrap up, I know, uh, you know, it's, we have covered a lot of topics. Sure. Before we wrap up, uh, I know we have. Um, slightly updated our forecast we will post some adi- uh, updated numbers uh, eventually on our website but as of now i think we are thinking that as far as sales and price are concerned sales will be up maybe slightly depending on you know the economic conditions i think we're still thinking that it will be up a little bit very very minimal yeah uh, this year uh, price wise i think it will continue to grow but I can, I'm, pretty confi- I'm pretty sure that it probably will grow less than last year.
1: Yeah, I think more moderate price growth is, is definitely reasonable from a forecasting standpoint just because prices have already risen so high. Affordability is pretty abysmal at this point in time. Um, and so I think that you're going to start to see, especially with invest, you know, fewer investors uh-huh. and foreign buyers in the market pushing up prices, that you're going to start to see price growth that looks a lot more Um, similar to what you see in terms of wage and income growth.
0: But not only because of um, uh, prices stabilizing, but also because of, I think you mentioned because um, the higher price areas probably will not have uh, as many sales as before, just because of affordability issues. Yeah. So you have a change in the mix of sales that actually lead to less
1: price growth in aggregate. Exactly. And of
0: course, that affects affordability, that affects supply. Uh, affordability wise i think it's going to drop two to three percent percentage point
1: yeah i think what you're forecasting about only 28 percent of households are going to be able to afford the medium-priced home next year which is you know pretty pretty low i think might be you know one of the lowest by historical standards it so. is
0: just a reminder to some people might be a uh have seen some of our statistics in 2011 housing affordability was 53 so it's almost double
1: more than half of people (laughs) used to be able to afford it now less than 30 percent will be able to right so um, that's pretty much the tail of the tape right a lot of these issues and supply um, aren't going away and affordability um, aren't going away and so i think that although we eked out a fairly modest gain here this year um that you know it's by no means um kind of smooth sailing from here on out most of those challenges persist and um you know i think our members are going to have to work you know even harder in 2016 or in 2017 to make it happen than they did last year yes
0: and we will revisit some of these issues we covered a lot of issues like i said we'll definitely revisit some of these issues when we have more detail uh from you know the new administrations from what's happening in the global market but until then um Please turn in, tune in again next week or next uh, two weeks uh, uh, from now, and we'll give you some more detail. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.